Welcome to Hex Rated, where we three witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and hilarious judgment. Hey. 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 Welcome back to Hex Rated. Thank you for listening. Today, uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about um, journeying. Last time we talked about all of the, briefly touched upon all the different words for it. Pathworking, hedge riding, journeying, like shamanic journeying. What are, there were like other phrases too that I can't think of. I think you covered it. Yeah, okay. but there's a lot. So lots you of people get call the it. Gist. Yeah, lots of people call it different things. Basically, the idea of uh, meditation, either some people, oh, spirit flight's another word I've heard for it, where you're either going on like a soul journey outside of yourself, or perhaps you are traveling your own inner world and uh, inner psyche, exploring in your brain. Yeah, with your your brain brains. Uh, But lots of people do it in lots of different ways. We kind of started off reading um some diana paxson books transportation and way of the oracle to yes. kind of get started and we started off with breathing which was the most it was difficult. really difficult so just to kind of clarify shamanism or trance usually involves a altered state of consciousness and um it's a measurable change in your brain waves just like when you are asleep or um, normal waking consciousness, or that sort of twilight sleep when you're between wakefulness and rest. So, um, basically, what meditation or trance or any kind of any kind of journeying work, you are entering an altered state of consciousness that is different than sleep. So it is not a dream, and it is different than consciousness. So it is not like you know a, a daydream. Now, the, the other nature of or what the events that happen are, are debatable. So generally, there's two methods, two categories of trans induction. One would be ecstatic or excitatory or um, where you basically tire yourself out. You overload your senses and then they just shut down. So you could dance, you could hyperventilate, you could do a sweat lodge. Um, any of those things that would basically make you kind of feel faint. Alternatively, what we practice tends to be more inhibitory. So it's sensory deprivation of some kind. Um, there's obviously more mild forms where you slow your breathing using breath work, um, monotonous chanting, monotonous drumming, using darkness, um, isolation tanks, or something of that nature would be the most extreme example. And in its most extreme form, uh, people actually do, if they are deprived of light and sound and sensory input for more than a few hours at a time, you really do begin to hallucinate uncontrollably. Um, and they've studied it. Of course, uh, they can't study it too hard because that would be a little unethical. <laughs> um, they've tried, and then people freak out, and they have to, to let them out. So basically, it's a phenomenon where um, when your brain is conscious, it needs input, and if it doesn't have any, it will create some. So the latter is what we're doing. We're basically slowing down our bodies, slow, slowing down our uh, thoughts. And uh, like Lily was saying, breath work has been really, really helpful for us. Probably the hardest thing for me to learn at first. Yeah, it was the hardest thing for me too. I noticed uh, that I just tend to breathe really quickly, 
and shallow breaths in general, which I had never paid attention to before. And sitting there, even like just the three second where you breathe for three seconds, hold for three seconds, uh, breathe out for three seconds, hold for three seconds was really surprisingly difficult. Yeah. So the technique that we kind of tried to build up to is uh, you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds and exhale for four seconds and hold that for four seconds and start over. So it's very, very slow. And um, so it would basically be like, if we all just do it together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's pretty slow. It took me a lot of practice because I, too, breathe very shallowly. I'm asthmatic. I totally breathe from my upper diaphragm. Fortunately, that makes me a great tight lacer when I wear corsets, but <laughs> not so awesome for breath work. And the other thing I found that, so basically what I would recommend if you would like to try breath work is to work up to it. You can either um, skip the holding your breath part and just try to lengthen the inhale and exhale. So try building up for one second, two second, three second, four second, and then add in the the holding the breath and then when you do get to the holding the breath one thing I noticed I was doing is that I was like really clenching that whatever sphincter it is that goes from your windpipe to your lungs like you know like that and that was making it harder so um, I tried to just focus on the inhale and exhale and let my lungs naturally feel full or empty without trying to hold my breath yeah, so sometimes if the hold feels forced for me or really difficult, I just skip it. And then and then you end up breathing faster after that. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, I try to imagine that I'm breathing in like I'm I'm like taking in a, a really refreshing drink of water or something like. And so then the hold just feels like you're enjoying it, you know, like a swallow instead of like a <laughs> sort of thing. So but yeah, like Blackbird said, if it if it feels I notice that when I do it and if it feels uncomfortable or if it feels unnatural, it will be counterproductive. So, right. right. So, yeah, it's a practice. But it really does help to have a, a controlled breathing. And I mean, I know in yoga, they try to really emphasize the breath, breathe, you know, in through your. Maybe that's why I was always so bad at yoga. It's, it's hard for me, too. I mean, I have difficulty, especially when doing, you know, things that for me are rather strenuous you know not breathing just i want to take as much air as i can in to help me with those <laughs> poses yeah. so yeah yeah it's um it's challenging for me but again if it feels uncomfortable or just you know keep practicing work up to it it, do, it does help to have a measured breathing yeah th i mean the real important thing is for it to be even so whatever inhale exhale hold ratio you want to do as long as you're able to just kind of reach that and hold it until it starts to be natural and when you begin your meditation you can maintain that without having to focus and count on it and then if you feel like you want to lengthen it or add the hold or whatever that would be something to work up to but it's more important to have it be nice and even and controlled instead of um, getting a few deep breaths in there and then like hyperventilating. So, <laughs> um, the other thing that I've experimented with, and why don't you all talk about this too, is as I tend to lay down. Now, a lot of places I've read don't recommend that because they're afraid you're going to fall asleep, which is not a problem for me because I have like two settings, like fully awake 
and dead to the world asleep. So um, I don't tend to have like a kind of drowsy twilight sleep scenario ever. So I don't tend to have a problem with that at all. But what do y'all do? I lay down. At first I started experimenting with different ways of, of sitting, but it, I got so distracted by getting uncomfortable, like either my back would hurt or my butt would hurt or... I don't know, just some part of my body would get uncomfortable really quickly. And I'm Stop sure fishing for for butt rubs. Oh I, I know you're trying yeah. to be like just, if somebody could just rub my butt while I'm I totally to see what you're I see what you're doing into my shamanic journey. That would be rub, so helpful. Rub it. Rub it. Just yeah. Just um, rub my butt. I have experienced or I have tried many things. That's how <laughs> Yeah. yeah. In life. We're finding more uh, out about Blackbird. Oh, it's going to come out. It's coming out. Is uh, it? No, go put it back in. <laughs> in no. and out. In. I have out. tried. So I tried Hold this one time, I, like the first or second time that I really like gave a good hearty effort at journeying <laughs> by myself, like not with you guys. It's I like, just, sorry, it's like I a good on, chicken like, a noodle difference. soup. Like, good hearty, <laughs> good hearty tw- try. Good, good effort. I was still on like a different like. <laughs> <laughs> subject in my brain then were, what we were you thinking dirty were i you was dirty? i totally was when you hardy said, try when you said hardy like try your effort i was like what <laughs> what is she talking about no Calm so i dildos. thought it would be a really good idea <laughs> and you'll correct me quickly on this thought but i thought it'd be a good idea to sit on my exercise ball yeah you can imagine how that really I'm sure just panned out over the course because i really kind of got into it like it helped that my feet were on the ground. Like I felt grounded, but then once I got really kind of into like my meditation and counting down or whatever, yeah, it was kind of impossible to stay stable because my body just didn't want to focus on, Hey, in, engage your core now, engage, <laughs> engage, now. keep sitting straight up. It was, it was rather challenging and I only did it that one time. And it was, I mean, the journey was a little successful, but I was constantly worried that I was going to fucking fall sideways. So, I mean, I think that if you're a person that cultivates a yoga practice, that that might be helpful. Like, I know that sometimes when, not when I'm trying to journey, but if I do a balancing pose in yoga, it can clear my mind because I'm focusing on the sensations in my body and those right. tiny little muscles in your ankle that help you keep your balance and stuff. So I could, I could see that as being something that could be... Well, I sit on a ball all day at work, so I thought, oh, well, this will be, it's very comfortable for me. My back doesn't hurt when I sit on Mm -hmm. that. I thought, oh, okay, this will be perfect. It was, it was a little too much for me at this stage in my life Mm -hmm. and the core where it is right now, (laughs) which is less than stellar. So, but then I've also, um, I think I'm, am I the only one that has done, well, you've done a sensory deprivation technique yeah. before in life. But well, right. So I mean, uh, just the last thing on, on poses yeah. I have, um, sometimes I'll sit cross-legged or something and kind of try to hang my head. I usually find that to be uncomfortable eventually where I want to shift my, my butt bones or my neck or something. But yeah, um, what Blackbird was saying is, is something else that we sometimes experiment with is uh, setting or. Right. The environment. So we've both uh, tried those uh, float tanks or sensory deprivation tanks is what they used to call them. But that sounds really scary. So um, <laughs> they call them other like stuff. Float now. spas. Yeah. Float spa? Come to the float spa. Well, yeah. so so why don't you explain how it works? Oh, I would love to. Um, I would love you to. <laughs> I would love to it. explain how it works. Well, the, the one in particular that I go to, uh, we won't, you know, endorse any 
names or anything, but the one I go to is is like this. You um you walk into your own personal room. It's about the size of a I don't know, decent size master bathroom, maybe a little bit bigger. Like and I mean decent size. It's a room that's probably oh, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 by Ten, so maybe like smallish, biggish. Maybe fifteen it. by fifteen. Yeah, it's like you know, there's enough room to house like a one-person shower, and then like a, a basically a a pod or a cubicle that you enter, that is I would say, seven by seven, because because you can theoretically touch all the sides when you spread yourself out. So what it is 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 after you take a shower, you enter into a chamber. And and sometimes it's a tank where you lay down in water, which is 96 degrees. It's a little bit lower than your body temperature. Um, it's your surface skin temperature. It's very, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very close to that. And um, it's about, well, my the particular one I go to, it's 1,200 pounds of salt to about like five or six inches of water in this seven by seven space. And you can choose to have like different colored lights in this cubicle. You can choose to have uh, different kinds of either music or sounds also playing. Um, I do not choose any lights because I think that the darkness, when it is no lights, it is pitch black. And that is very helpful to me. And why is, why is the water salty? And the water is salty so that you float. That's that's what keeps you afloat. Basically, when you lay down in this tank, you will stay afloat. Like your butt will not touch, even though it's only five or six inches of water. You will you will float. Yeah. So basically, you just feel like you're floating in space because yes, the water is your skin temperature, so you don't feel like you're in or out of the water, and you feel totally buoyant. So it's like you're just floating in outer space. And if it's dark, then it definitely enhances that because you have no up or down. Yeah, and I've noticed either, too, I mean, t like in different experiences, I've had two different tangible reactions. I mean, not only um, it, it does it help with journeying and having an intention to journey, but even if you're not doing that, either you will be very aware of all of your, like, body parts and, like, you know, everything's really tingly and you can feel all the things, or you're very disconnected and you you don't feel like you have a body at all, which... It's pretty extreme, I think. I don't know. But I've had both reactions, so I don't know if it was clearly just my mental state at the time mm -hmm. or the conditions surrounding that. Mm -hmm. So both were equally awesome. So Yeah, so, I mean, experimenting with temperature or darkness, light, feeling floaty, feeling solid and grounded. I tend, I have some really good journeys um, when I lay down in a bath, which is obviously not as specialized and buoyant and everything else but particularly for me and I don't know what y'all's experience was but I find that things that are not my nature tend to help because a they become triggers because I don't normally do them but also it somehow has like you know an inhibitory effect on my psyche whereas because I'm very like energetic and super awake and alert and I like to move around and I'm very talkative and I tend to be loud so sitting in one spot being quiet, um, all of that uh, is is very difficult for me. So getting into that state of mind tends to produce more vivid journeys. I've tried to do things that are more 
um, ecstatic, like dancing, but I am a dancer. And so it's very exhilarating and it feels great, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to induce any kind of altered state other than just being awesomely exhausted. But (laughs) on the other hand, Lily has had great experience, but she is a water sign. So she would be the opposite. Yeah. Uh, well, going back to what uh, Scarlett just said about triggers, sage, I started um, burning sage when I first started trying to journey. And now every time, whenever I smell like sage, I immediately start feeling a little bit, uh, just a little bit out of myself and not like I immediately go into like a trance state or anything like that, but that I feel like I could start going that way if I wanted to. And um yeah i'm not a dancer i don't like i don't dance use my body in that way i've never been like super coordinated i don't feel comfortable what ways do you use your body <laughs> whoa that's for a later show hey. yeah hex rated that's right that's a that's a show not tell yeah yeah no oh. i can't tell you i gotta show you uh, you have to ask yeah you nice. you'll never know <laughs> well tell us about your trans dancing because well, it's pretty rad well it I, I don't yeah, trance dance. It does rhyme. I don't think it's that uh, rad, but um, because I don't feel comfortable dancing, especially not like dancing in front of people. If I go to a concert, I'll like jump a whole bunch, but not actual dancing and like real so nineties coordinated movement. Uh, so the times I have tried dancing to invoke a uh, trance state have been fairly successful because there's this like really great release that comes along with it that it's something that I don't do often and that I'm kind of embarrassed to do so it's it's very it's liberating and there's like this great release and plus you get really tired which helps too like your body's all exhausted so you've done it before like before journeying right yeah okay okay so you haven't actually like been dancing and gone into a trance while dancing Mm -hmm. So it's no. not quite trans dancing. No, it's not. I quite. really want to just use that it's phrase. It's not quite trans dancing. It's just dancing and feeling good. So like she said, to basically exhaust. Because I think you said that you had th- you'd even said that one time you like worked out really hard and yeah. then went into a trance and, or like when it, you know, journeyed or whatever. Yeah, I decided to experiment with just exhausting myself physically and did like a really intense like 30 minute workout and then immediately tried journeying and it was pretty successful because my body was just too exhausted to right. to not go into the trance state. Interesting. So, so typically um, most meditation techniques or shamanism or core shamanism or um, any of those things tend to follow kind of a, a pretty good formula that seems to work for most people, which would be get the right setting. You know, if you do candles or sage or a certain scent or a certain temperature or you have other triggers like you wear certain jewelry or you go to a special room, do, do the whole staging. That's the first step. And then um, get comfortable in whatever position you like. And then um, start your breathing. And then uh, usually there's some kind of, you know, if you want to do some kind of wording or protection, that would be an option at that point. And then try some kind of induction, which would which is usually counting backwards or... Um, imagining yourself descending in some manner and then going through some kind of tunnel or portal and then opening up into the other world where you can then if you use world tree imagery you could go up or down the world tree 
stuff like that. So that's kind of the basic outline. And then, of course, when you want to return, you follow your steps back the way you came. And then, uh, you know, just slowly, gently, like when you're waking up, you know, try to try to not, not pop right up. And because you can feel a little lightheaded. But so that's kind of the outline. But I thought that maybe we could each um, take a turn and sort of walk everybody through what exactly we do, which is not a recommendation of how to do it, but just to give you examples of what we do just for just for comparison. Well, uh, first, just to backtrack on what you said, just no, a little no. bit. I'm Mm-mm. backtracking. No. I just backtrack. Do you guys, the two of you, feel the need to ward before you try to go into a trance state or journey or head ride, whatever we want to call it? No, I um, I tend to kind of ground and center, which sort of has a wording effect. Like I kind of feel what I, well, I'll talk about it when it's my turn. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, do, I don't really ward. I don't cast a circle. I don't invoke protectors or anything like that unless I'm like already in the journey and have, have helping spirits that I want with me. What I do do when I come back, <laughs> I yeah. do, um, what I do when I return is, uh, during that that waking phase, I like to just kind of do a check. Like I'm going through like a I have like a TSA wand, a magnetic wand going over me, just to like sweep over and make sure that I feel connected in all my body parts and nothing seems amiss. Uh, when I first started journeying, I would do like kind of like a little chakra, quick chakra meditation to just check in and make sure everything seemed like it was where it should be and. Um, I've heard people talk about like feeling like they left parts of their soul Whoa, off in the other world. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't, uh, that sounds really scary and dangerous. Um, in my opinion, uh, it's just your brain. So I mean, the, the most severe symptoms would really be something like when you get woken up too quickly or something where you feel groggy and a little out of it and a little uncoordinated, um, stuff like that. So, which sucks, but is not lethal as far as I know yet. Yeah, I have warded a few times, but um, I think I should really actually maybe try it when I do go to, when I do do (laughs) the sensory (laughs) deprivation tank because there's so many other people that go in and out of that space that it probably wouldn't hurt, but up till now I have not done, I've just grounded and centered. So it's a a good thought, good idea. Well, I don't do it. I was just suddenly thinking about it. Yeah, because I generally uh, only journey when I'm at my house. house. So then I feel like I don't need to do anything extra. Right. Right. It's a protected space. I protect it pretty well, I think. So tell us about your process. Okay, I'll start. I usually uh, journey in my house, usually in my bed, which I know you're not supposed to do things in your bed outside of sleeping. But I do all the time. So like in life, like, yeah, just just like in life, you're not supposed to do like you're not supposed to watch TV in your bed because then you're supposed to have in order to fall asleep. You're supposed to only think of your bed as a sleeping place. But I don't do that anyway. So I don't really. I do other stuff in my bed. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? (laughs) I just said that. Yeah, I do. (laughs) So I usually am in my bed. I usually lay down because that's the most comfortable for me and it is very helpful for me to not, to be comfortable, it's very helpful. Um, When I first started, I used to do a lot of things where I'd light candles and I'd burn sage and I'd do all of this like different chanting things and those all kind of just started falling away because I didn't consider them to be important, they weren't really helpful. And so the sage ended up being the most important, most helpful thing uh, 
most helpful trigger for me at the beginning. I can't talk right now, apparently. So the sage is my most helpful trigger. It gets me in the mood uh, pretty quickly. I like to turn the lights off. They don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be like completely black. It sounds so sexy. I know. I like to burn some sage, turn off the lights, Put get on in little bed. <laughs> uh, so nice. I like to listen, and I usually, I take the sage all around my bed, and I cleanse myself with the sage, and I cleanse the room with the sage, and um, I like to listen to Yoiking, which is this, um, the Sami, the Sami people who live in the very north Scandinavia in Lapland, they have a type of singing called Yoiking, and it's really, really haunting and really beautiful, and I am not Sami. And I don't mean to like co-opt anyone else's culture or anything like that. I'm not, I don't yoik. I just think it's really nice to listen to. And it really gets me like feeling in the mood to, to journey. So I just listen to a little yoiking to get me in the mood. And then I lay down and I like to, I put on drum beats. And I've been thinking lately, maybe it'd be good if I made my own drum and tried it that mm. way, but just like a steady drum beat. And so I got the drum beats going. I start my breathing and I do the breathing cycle in hold out hold until i feel like i'm ready that i've gotten it down which sometimes takes a long time because even right now i'm feeling winded because i'm talking without breathing because i just don't breathe properly apparently so after i feel like i'm ready i do a countdown from 12 to zero but the way that i do the initial countdown is i imagine myself writing the numbers and feeling how like my hand moves when I write them and the motion of writing 12 and then 11 and then 10 going down and down all the way to zero and then usually as soon as I hit zero I am ready and it's a trigger so I already know what I'm supposed my brain like knows what we're supposed to do so then I'm in a forest and it's uh the forest that I imagine surrounding uh Yggdrasil so then there's a path and I take 13 steps starting with 13 and going down back to zero towards Yggdrasil and then I'm there I use um the imagery of Yggdrasil to then transport me wherever I feel like I need to go or um if I just feel like there's something I don't quite know where I need to go, but I need to go somewhere to see where it takes me. Then I, I go on my, my magical journeys. And uh, when I come back, I've read a lot about when you come back from your journey, you need to like retrace your steps so that you find everything. Like you, you come back the way you came so you get out properly. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I do. And I'm sure there are people out there who are going to say, oh, that's dangerous. You're going to leave a part of your soul behind. And um, I don't know. I've just never felt the need to do that. At the very beginning, I tried doing that exactly. And I was like, ugh, I just don't care. I, I'll get out however I get out. You know, I don't need yeah. to like retrace my steps exactly. Especially if I feel like everything I've done is all insular, that it was all within me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like, my soul didn't leave me anyways. So then it, it's not such a big deal. I can just wake up. And then I just uh, leave. And then I take some time when I'm exiting exiting the trance state to just feel my my body and remind myself where I am and like pay attention to like the little little things like my the way my hair feels against my skin or like the way my bed feels um I just kind of like shift my awareness around my body that's what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. and then um then I'm done that's how I do it do you want to go yeah um so I usually start by laying down. I like it to be dark, but I, I have pretty 
thick eyelids or something. So I don't, <laughs> it's usually not a problem. Um, I too tend to like sage. Um, I usually do a dab of sage and frankincense because I read in a book, which I should find the reference for, that because uh, sage is soothing. So you want to soothe your left side of your brain, which is the very analytical, mathematical, um, logical side of your brain. And then you want to activate um, your right brain, which is the creative, intuitive, less ordered side of your brain. So um, I found that that works pretty well. And like Lily said, that tends to be a trigger. I mean, I don't just eyes roll into my head, pass out when I smell it. But um, when you already have the intention that you're going to sit down and meditate, it kind of helps set the stage. I lay down. Sometimes I sit cross-legged, but mostly lay down in bed or lay down in a bath. And I start by ward. It's kind of a ground and center where I just um, think before me, beside me, to my right, behind me, beside me, to my left, above me, below me, around me, within me. And so I just kind of like mentally just feel kind of like my consciousness extend a few feet in all those directions, kind of just, and feel the energy of those directions. You know, above is like kind of, you know, astral star energy. Below is sort of earthy energy. And just kind of feel like I'm in a little sphere. And it, it's grounding. I mean, it sort of serves as a little bit of a ward or protection because it's basically just a real quick magic circle that I threw up. And then I start with my breathing and like Lily said, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes I just fall right into it. If I fall into that pattern right away, it'll just throw me right into it. Um, sometimes when I'm not trying to trance and now I take like a really deep breath like that, I feel like I might be starting to get ready to go into a trance. And so that's a really, really strong trigger, probably the strongest trigger for me. And um, I start by counting backwards from 12 and I... Uh, usually picture the number uh, in my head in front of me as the colors of the rainbow in reverse from violet to red. And um, I'm really, really visual. So I sometimes try to challenge myself to play around with uh, what I'm picturing. So sometimes I just picture like the Arabic numerals in that color. But sometimes I try to picture, I, I think 12, 12. And I picture maybe a violet uh, amethyst, like a faceted gem, and really focus on that rich jewel tone and it's sparkling and the highlights and lowlights. And then I would move on to 11, really think about 11 as I picture an indigo faceted sapphire that's just these beautiful shades of, of midnight blue and deep, deep purple. And on from there, going down through all the colors. Um, so for me, I would divide it up as a uh, 10 would be kind of a cobalt blue and then and I'm also um an, a painter so so pigments and color are like really important to me but um so then uh nine's kind of like a blue green and uh seven is is just a true kelly green a grass green six is a yellow green and five is just a lemon yellow banana yellow kind of crayola um, four is like a orange yellow, sort of like marigold and three is a real true rich, um, kind of persimmon orange. Two would be a real red, red, like a lipstick blood red. And then one is a slightly deeper red, like a wine red or a dried blood red or something. <laughs> and then it just kind of fades to black. 
And at that point, I imagine myself going to an entry point into the earth, which is very common. A lot of people do that. The entry point I use is a real place. Um, I live in a very old Victorian house and we actually have a working water well in a side part of our house, like in the house. It's about 30 feet deep, has water in it. And so I just imagine myself and it's sealed on the top. The, it pumps from another direction, but um, I imagine myself getting in it as if it were open and then I count back from 13 and I, I don't really visualize anything. Sometimes I set an intention before I go down the well. Sometimes I forget and do it later. <laughs> and um, so I'll just count back from 13. And usually um, it always kind of feels a little different going down the well. Like sometimes it's full of water and I feel like I'm sinking. Sometimes I really have to like feel like I'm swimming or diving. Sometimes it's there's no water and I just sort of float down like a feather. Sometimes I kind of feel like I'm like repelling down like in an old timey bucket sometimes I sink down through layers of of liquid and silt until I'm in the ground um, sometimes it has a smell like it might be briny or like petrichor you know like rain it might be warm or cool um, sticky or and that usually ends up reflecting on the character of the journey um, it's something that I always try to note down not that I have any particular system for interpreting those sensations yet, but maybe eventually uh, I can go back and look at all my notes and, and it'll start to make sense. So um, I just try to try to remember everything as well as I can. And then I'll finally get down to the bottom of the well and it might open up to a cave. I might pop up back on the surface in a meadow someplace or something like that. And then I usually try to depending on where I want to go, I might go to the world tree or I might be where I'm trying to get, you know, if I have like an inner temple or the underworld or um, middle world or the upper world or wherever. So, and um, I have some spirit guides that are associated with certain places. So at that time um, I would usually kind of call on them and they would show up like they were waiting for me and might help lead me somewhere and if I hadn't set an intention at that point, that's when I would be like, I'm journeying to, you know, talk to the spirit or learn about this or that. And then uh, I kind of just let the journey unfold. And it's usually pretty clear when it's over. Um, I often find that uh, spirits or whatever you, whatever you think is communicating to you, voices in your head, are uh, or your imagination, are sometimes very insistent that you're not done. You're like, okay, I'm going to go. And they're like, nope. Um, but usually it's pretty clear and oftentimes I leave an offering or there's some kind of formal farewell and then I try my best to go back the way I came. But one of the great things about uh, traveling in the other world or using your imagination or astral travel is it it's not the same as moving in normal time and space. And since it's not ordinary time and space, it doesn't feel like you're literally walking foot by foot with like so... I, I was worried at first when I didn't do that as exactly as I felt like I was being advised to, but um, like Lily, I kind of got over it. So I think the best thing, the most important thing is to not just like bolt awake, but as far as like what you do to kind of come back to waking reality, imagining yourself walking back might be helpful, but maybe just counting up uh, to 12 or 13 if that's what you do to get back down. Or I also try to focus on speeding up my breath and also, um, you know, just feeling present in my body, like feeling, f 
feeling the weight of my body on whatever surface I'm on and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. Yay. <laughs> my turn. Um, it's pretty, it's similar, but we each have a little bit of a different thing. I usually um, start by either, uh, well, I've done, I've done many things, either sitting up the one time on the ball, but, or just sitting, um, reverse cowgirl, you know, <laughs> or cry, like either not cross-legged really, but just I like, you were about to say crying and I was <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> that's after now, um, either, like sitting with my legs open and like a V cause you know, that's like a do. It's just really comfortable for me and my back doesn't start hurting as much if I sit like that, like just with my legs out in a V or I've also tried, um, putting my legs up with a, like a pillow, cushion like a long pillow cushion against a wall and you know laying down on my back with my with my legs up on the wall that was super interesting and then you know in the float spa you're clearly just laying down in the water and floating um but most of the time it's it's probably either laying down on the floor at home and i burn incense and it's like a particular smell I don't really know what kind it is I have right now, but I have a bunch of it. Well, so and I'm and you have a dedicated space. Yes. You're, oh. you're lucky enough to have a little special space. Yes, I made a special meditation room that I painted the walls a, a really deep purple. The ceiling is a, is a really nice kind of deep orange. And there's a little altar area that is really a closet that we've taken the doors off of that's gold. Um, what you got yeah really interesting color combinations and um, stuff that really helped me to feel like i was in a special space that was just for the purpose of um, meditation and slowing down slowing down really slowing down period but yeah and so incense is kind of a trigger for me sage would be great i think i don't i need something i need sage in some format that doesn't involve like a giant wand that I'm afraid will catch on fire while I'm journeying because I have a real fear of like things happening while I'm not exactly in you know when I'm in a trance state I don't want to like you know burn down the house anyway um a little bit of incense is always good then I then I start out by counting down from 12 and um instead of imagining colors or seeing uh, writing the numbers which I think is really cool I've always imagined um doors like different doors Ooh. with with like oh. like the address or like an apartment door and they're all different and it can be different varying on the journey it's not always the same door i think five is always the same i don't know why but yeah just seeing like those numbers differently like as addresses or as apartment doors which is i don't know where i don't know how i came up with that i like it i don't really know where it came from but it seems to work um, once I do that, I kind of imagine my body like sinking down into a like a level of the ground. So where like I'm eye level with the floor um, and that's just kind of to ground more and to feel really connected to the earth. I think I don't know if I follow myself back up or if I just stay like at eye level with the ground. But I I try to start before I actually go on the actual journey. I start at what I consider my world tree which is an actual tree that i found in colorado um we went there and just visited last year and it was really awesome and this huge 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 tree and i really I, you know it would be nice if i figured out what kind of tree it was but it didn't matter because it just i don't know i looked at this tree and was like 
it's my spirit tree and took a lot of pictures of it. I think I probably actually hugged a tree, <laughs> not to be too cliche, but I'm pretty sure I did. So I just always have this mental image in my mind of this, this one particular tree. And there's also like a little stump across from that tree that you can sit on and kind of contemplate the, the enormity of the tree. And I usually start by either sitting on that stump or being, you know, touching the tree in some way. And the tree usually, you know, tells me, hey, look for um, look for the opening. So I like kind of and some that's the hard part is that I usually try to find that opening. And sometimes I find it right away and sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's like hidden in the roots. Uh, sometimes I have to walk around the tree to see where the, the tree's kind of like hanging. You know how the roots can be exposed like it's hanging off in a riverbed or something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's underneath the roots and I have to go through. But it's. Once I find the opening, it's usually always the same kind of cave-like, like a loamy underground smell. Yum. Sometimes there's like handmade torches to light the way. Sometimes there's no light at all. Sometimes there's really elaborate lanterns. Um, but there's always, you know, it's always the same kind of path. Sometimes it's muddy. Sometimes it's not. And it usually opens into a field. Sometimes the the spirit guides are there at that time, depending on what my intention is. Uh, and then to get back, I usually, I think, pick up somewhere in that field and retrace my steps back through the tunnel cave thing and end up back in front of the tree or touching the tree in some way. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much it. I don't really do a lot of, well, I don't really do a lot of breath work in the beginning. <laughs> I should try. Or I do, I don't know. I don't know that I consciously think about it you're but just so pro no i'm yeah, really not like we do no i'm really not maybe <laughs> breathing would make it better i don't know but i do try to immediately write down oh yeah everything that's and that's something that the three of us have done mm -hmm. is like as soon as we're done we kind of communicate with each other hey this this just happened this happened on my journey and we kind of try to interpret it for each other yeah if if i'm alone i'll write it down immediately like yeah. um because i'll forget it it just like when you wake up and have a dream and then like five minutes later you can't remember anything about it but um if we're together we we tend to just talk about it sometimes saying it out loud kind of helps fix it in your memory if you don't have a chance to write it down i was going to ask you guys um how would you describe what the trance state or journey state feels like compared to say being awake or daydreaming or feeling faint or feeling like you're dreaming i think sometimes for me it's more vivid than actual life that makes sense like colors are more vivid uh not necessarily sounds but like textures are more vivid mm -hmm. like i and i lose are you aware of your surroundings no. do you feel like you're totally out of it or i feel i feel like i lose concept of my physical body like i don't really remember that my body's there mm. that makes sense yeah maybe i don't go into i'm thinking about it now and i'm thinking maybe i don't ever enter a truly like deep trance state because i've heard about people who just totally lose themselves mm. in the trance and lose like real awareness of where they are and that's never happened i guess i always keep one foot fairly firmly grounded in the, the mundane world out here but i never lose the feeling of where i am or always even if i'm not like thinking about it in the front of my um, mind, there's always at least in the back of my mind an awareness of I'm laying in my bed uh, in the next room is my dog or the way like the temperature 
it's sometimes the temperature will fluctuate now that I'm thinking about it. But other than that, I don't really ever lose. Like you know where you are. I know where I am. Okay. Yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, it makes me wonder if I ever enter like a really deep trance state. And I think that's why the working out and then the dancing before mm-hmm. is helpful for me because it um, gets me so physically tired that my brain c- doesn't have to, my brain doesn't, my God, what am I trying to say? Doesn't think about those kind of yeah. things. Like you can actually enter that state a little more fluidly because yes, you're not concentrating on what you're, the f- what you're actually feeling. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I don't, I'd have to really like, I, I say that I don't know that I don't feel my body i forget about it i think i don't really ever lose the idea of where i am i think i just don't think about it for that span in time i don't i don't even focus on it but i also try to like just my like mindfully meditate not necessarily journey but i meditate pretty much every day yeah i mean i i would definitely distinguish it from the feeling of like daydreaming where i'm telling a story and i'm directing it and it's different than than unconscious dreaming um, where it's just sort of like you're on this roller coaster cartoon where things are just happening. And I, I'm definitely aware of my surroundings to an extent. I have an ability to, to tune them out like you do in everyday life, how you, you know, if you're used to hearing a fan or this faucet dripping, like if you pay attention to it, you can pick up the sound. But in general, you can tune it out or like the feel of your clothes on your skin. Like right. when you concentrate on it, you're aware that you've got shoes on, but um, you're not constantly thinking about how it feels unless they're <laughs> uncomfortable. So I think for me, I tend my thoughts usually are racing so rapidly in everyday life that just slowing down and breathing to me is is already taking it down such a notch that like Lily, I'm I'm probably not in such a deep trance state as can be achieved, but for me, it, it's significant enough to feel like I'm getting results. The other thing I thought we might talk about is also like how much of like contrasted with a a daydream, which is deliberate, you know, you're just telling yourself a story or a dream where it's just sort of excluding lucid dreaming, um, that it's just sort of unfolding. What, what's your sense of how it feels when events are unfolding? Um, cause for me, you know, I'm, I'm aware it's a journey and you know, the experience feels real, but I, I'm aware that I'm still in my body here. I, I can make choices and decisions. It's not like I'm just on a ride, but the things that are said to me or appear or the places I go are unique. They're, I don't I don't consciously imagine them the way I would in a daydream, but I can, um, you know, choose to say what I want or move or, or do things that, uh, uh, unlike a dream that is not a lucid dream. So how, how would y'all describe that? About the same or? Yeah, I think I kind of, feel the same way and that things that unfold some I mean sometimes take me by surprise like they would in an unconscious dream I mean but I can choose I can choose my words or actions from that but I'm usually surprised by the imagery because like you said it's if it's if it's some kind of consciousness it's not a level that I'm 100% aware of you know I I never know what's going to happen or where it's what's going to unfold um sorry (laughs) Ditto, guys. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. Um, what senses do you tend to experience? Because uh, for me, I find that the language regarding meditation and journeying is kind of limiting. Because in English, we tend to say visualize, 
Right. But and that's really the only word. But that that would imply that you're seeing things in your mind's eye as images, as opposed to other senses, smelling things, feeling things like a, a touch or a sensation or, or cold um, kinesthetic kind of movement, feeling like you're falling or floating or um, vibrating or any other various mm. motion, scent, taste auditory like hearing communications and also just emotional like sometimes like you know feeling like a, a profound wash of a very strong emotion out of nowhere so I tend to be a lot more visual but that's because I'm a, I'm a graphic artist and I tend to get it smells a little bit because that's one of the oldest senses like the most primitive animals tend to develop sense and then other other uh, senses tend to adapt after that and then lately though I've been really pushing myself in my practice and feeling a lot more emotional stuff like waves of emotion and also motion so I I tend to I've started to feel more things like the sensation of of, of running or um, falling or sinking things like that dancing uh, really being aware of my astral body in space um, which is new. I didn't really feel like that before. Um, before that, I kind of just felt like I was like kind of floating around, mm. like I'm on a, like a invisible Segway or something. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> that invisible Segway. Yeah. <laughs> Anything's possible in the other world, you guys. Yeah. Uh, well, with my journeys, it's less visual. Everything is really blurry and like I it's hard to like get a handle on anything visually but I I know where I am like I if I'm in a forest I know I'm in a forest if I'm in front of the world tree I know I'm in front of the world tree but it's less of like seeing in the fine details of that as if it was right in front of me and more of a sense of just knowing it's there mm. and maybe um colors floating around me but a constant movement I'm either walking or running or dancing or being pushed or falling so there's this a constant movement and a constant tactile feeling like is muddy or things touching me like what is uh is there something on my skin and um is it windy but um also I this is just the way I am in life. I don't consider myself very articulate. I don't feel like I can really articulate my thoughts very well. You're doing pretty good Thank right you. Now. <laughs> I feel like I have, the way that I think is not necessarily in words so mm. much as it is just in a feeling. I get feelings and it's very hard for me to describe them and they're very... Oh, you're such a water sign. Yeah, dude. I know, right? So I have these feelings and so then when I journey, it's that way where I have this like these intense feelings and this intense knowing but there's not words or um no one's talking to me necessarily but i know what they're saying or i get like these f like intense emotions and feelings of what's going on wow i am strangely enough and i just realized this i think being the earth and earth sign and earth mother <laughs> not a mother grown but you know yeah. what i mean grown. like yeah super crown the thing that i um I mean, it's very visual for me, but the, the only sense that I have apart from the visual is like the feeling of what the ground texture is like. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? It's weird. I just, I just realized that now because I'll notice if that tunnel is muddy or dry or just kind of damp or whatever. I'll notice what the grass feels like on my feet. I will notice rocks under my feet or if I'm in the ocean, I've noticed, you know, the bottom of the 
you know, the sand or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's weird because that's something I never really realized before that I'm always paying attention to how the ground feels. Wow, that's really cool. It's fucking weird. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. (laughs) (laughs) We're all learning something, you guys. Yeah. Well, uh, and I guess going back to me being a water sign, there's almost always water involved with mine. Yeah. Uh, I just was thinking about that, but it's usually mud. Like it's usually yeah. water, like oh, muddy water. Yeah, oh. it's earth and, then, and water. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like actually swimming, or I'm in the ocean, and which is funny because the ocean is terrifying to me. I right. have this deep primordial fear of the ocean. I don't like getting in water at all. But then I have these journeys where I'm in the middle of the ocean, and there's no land anywhere, and it's all black and. It's terrifying. I was going to oh say, God, are, you, are you a complete f- horror show for me? Because mm-hmm. I am also scared of the ocean. I just was like, and are you fine in your journey or not fine? Yeah. Well, how, how is it feeling? Is it something you've gotten used to or is it alarming or do you know it's not real? So you're like NBD? Well, I mean, I guess part of me is like, don't worry, we're not actually in the ocean right now. But there is a an, uh, an alarming sense to it. There is a there is still a fear. There's still a fear because I'm so scared of it. And um, one of my uh, spirit guides is a shark, which is also hilarious because I hate sharks. I find sharks terrifying. That's one of the reasons I don't get in the water because a shark could be anywhere at any time ready to devour me. Dude, I'm pretty sure that even public swimming pools have a trap door in the deep end that lets sharks out. Yeah, if you're not looking. It's, it's, a, it's, it's real. your shark, though, so it's okay. Pretty sure that the Loch Ness Monster lives in every lake everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really kind of taught me to just let it go, man. Just go with the flow. Yeah. Go with the flow. Yeah, just I really never know around. what's about to happen in a journey. Like, some random shit happens. <laughs> 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 just to phrase it ever so uh, delicately. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um... <laughs> I have a question. How do you guys feel about the importance of spirit guides? Because I've heard other people talk about when it's particularly when they're talking about soul flights, uh, the idea of spirit guides being very, very important in not only protecting you, but guiding you. So thoughts, feelings. Um, I have a few kind of, I wouldn't say they're guides in the sense that they're sort of my, um, my babysitter. That's sort of like keeping me on a leash your you know? astral babysitter. Yeah, or, or, or like they're kind of my cruise director that's sort of taking me around the, the docent of the, the other world. <laughs> um, I, I don't really feel like I, I need that. I uh, I have guides and uh, spirits that when I have certain questions I reach out to or um, if I have questions about what is happening or what I should do or where I should go or how I should behave – I tend to rely on them for that. And usually when they kind of offer me protection or some kind of aid, like in a, in a way where I not feel unsafe, but like in a protection capacity, um, it usually tends to be that they give me something, a tool um, to represent uh, that action as opposed to their presence is somehow protecting me. Um, one of them gave me a key. Another gave me um, a cord you know, for feeling grounded and stuff like that. It tends to be more about a relationship, just like you would feel with real people or real animals where um, you come to them for support or advice or just to, you know, feel like someone's there going with you or stuff like that. But not so much as like a seeing eye spirit animal or something that I feel like I need them either there to to scare other things away or lead me or, or deter things from messing with me. So, yeah. 
I feel like, yeah, I, it, it, for me, it seems like whenever, if I don't know where, what I'm supposed to be doing or where I'm supposed to be going, some something, a spirit guide or someone will come forth and lead me to wherever I'm supposed to be. That doesn't mean they guide me around the whole journey. They could be only there for that part. Um, and maybe something or someone else will show up. It's kind of been very um, fluid and revolving there are some that have been in multiple journeys like there's a blue jay that visits me and has visited me several times but like as far as the other spirit guides i mean there's not there's there's only a couple that reappear and then sometimes just new new things pop up and i won't even know where that came from <laughs> like i think ganesha was symbolized as a little old indian woman this like on this last journey that i i went on and that was you know, not something that I had ever thought of. I mean, Ganesha's an elephant. Yeah. Not a lady. <laughs> well, but it is now for me, so. Well, this is kind of like a huge topic, and there's a lot to say about it. But, True. I mean, as best you can, like, how would you summarize sort of where you think the visions come from? Like, is it like a dream? Is it like a daydream? Just your imagination? Is it from your unconscious? Is it from the spirit world? You know, entities that are outside of yourself that exist, whether you are thinking about them or not? Um, are they divinities? Like what, what is it? Or if you could mix all of those things yeah. together, <laughs> that's what it is for me. I feel like it's like all of those things or a combination of all of those mm -hmm. things. It's making me think of in one of Diana Paxson's books. I don't remember if it was, I think it was transportation, but it may have been the, the way of the Oracle. And I think it was Diana Paxson uh, where she says, or she's talking about, worrying about is this all in my head is it am i imagining all of this or is it outside of me she said at least at the beginning don't worry about that so much focus more on not is it real but is it useful right. to you and i think that in the beginning that's important to remember like yeah don't worry so much if it's if it's real, is it, is it your imagination? Is it not your imagination? But is it useful for you on your own personal, like, journey through life? And that's the way I, I, I feel like you could sit here and overanalyze it a lot, and you would never really know. And it's hard for me to say where I think that they come from, because I, I, I try to be really skeptical about a lot of things. And I think that there is a strong, strong possibility that it is all in my, my mind. And right. I, mean, I could be imagining there's all just uh, parts of me that I'm exploring. Like when I say my spirit guides, they could just be me. They could just be parts of me. Right. I right now in my own personal life journey, I feel like they're not. I feel like there are parts, at least parts of the journeys that are outside of me. But... Anybody who is listening to me, I caution you to be skeptical about that, too. Like, anytime somebody is telling you that they went on, like, a, a spiritual journey or a soul flight or head riding, like, be take it with a grain of salt. Right. What that means to you may not be what that means to someone else. Like, like you, I don't know that it doesn't really matter to me if it's, I mean... I don't I know it's not really happened. I mean, I know that I I know that really my body is still where it is. Like my physical body is where it is, but what's what I get out of it is the thing that's most important. Yeah, to me the point of doing um meditation, whether it's just kind of unfocused mindfulness or um going on a journey or path working or something is is to learn more about your own psychology and like get yourself to a place where you can kind of 
reach your goals. That sounds kind of cheesy, but, but be aware of your own psychological patterns and be able to control them instead of be controlled by them. So, you know, sometimes that information presents itself in the language of symbols or just, you know, seeing what pops up in your unconscious is very telling. I mean, that that's a tool that legit medical licensed psychologists and psychiatrists use. So, you know, I, on the most skeptical side, I am always aware that that is an option, that everything that I experience or see or hear or learn in a journey is just stuff from my subconscious or unconscious that for whatever reason, my conscious mind doesn't want to talk about or think about or come up with um, because, I don't know, I feel like it's dumb or cheesy or don't want to address that yet. Conversely, uh, like Lily, I... You know, there's some some characters, spirits, guides that I have affection for, and it would be kind of disappointing to think that they're imaginary friends or something, but I don't think that that lessens the value of them. However, I, I do tend to think that some of them, you know, ex- exist outside of my imagination, you know, that, that I, I'm not just dreaming them. But I also have kind of more of an animistic, sort of pantheistic... Uh, worldview. So I'm not a hard polytheist. I tend to see um, spirit forms and guides and deities as sort of being more of like a matrix or a, a word cloud of, of symbols and ideas that help us latch on to a force that's a little more abstract than our five senses can deal with. I mean, Ooh, that's such a good way a, of putting yeah. it. Like yeah. that's exactly how I feel. You fucking like, hit just the like, nail on the head. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. us, yeah. I mean, I just think about it in terms of like what senses I possess as a human being. Like there's whole chunks of the sound spectrum that I cannot hear. Right. There's whole chunks of the light spectrum that are not visible to us. Like I cannot see infrared. I cannot detect magnet magnetic waves. Like I don't see X-rays. Um, Damn it! You know, only. Uh, right? So I never really thought about putting it like that. But you that's know, I, exactly I can't smell consciously smell pheromones. So I mean, there, there's all kind. I don't have echolocation. Um, oh, I do. I totally wish I did. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, considering that my experience of the world is limited by a whole bunch of data that I can't. Does it mean I don't it's have access there, to right. or, or just things being too tiny for me to like, I mean, I right. still believe that atoms and, and germs and molecules exist, even though I can't see them with yeah. my naked eye, you know? So, um, yeah. uh, given that, I think that there's a whole wealth of it. If I d- were not limited by those senses, if I were a spiritual being or a divine being, my personality, if you would even call it that anymore, um, my thoughts and goals would not be anthropomorphic. They wouldn't be the shit that actual humans are doing and are worried about and care about, mm. you know, if you had that kind of perspective. So I kind of liken the spirits or divinity or really any kind of spiritual practice as sort of being kind of like a map. You know, like if, if I drew you a map to my house and it was some crappy line drawing, you know, it's not to scale, <laughs> not everything's on it, uh, you know, like not all the streets have names, but if you figure out how to get here, like it was a useful map, right? But like neither of us think that it was a hundred percent accurate. Like obviously there are details that are missing. Um, so you know, if the map works, you don't pretend that that's all there is to the world. Yeah. And you know, eventually you might not grow the map. Like you might learn a, a shortcut that's a better way. You know, and you can let go of that or. Um, and also you recognize that that map does not get you to Lily's house. So <laughs> that is not fucking useful. So, um, you know, it's a shorthand 
And I think it's okay to use it as long as you recognize that that's what it is and use it while it's useful. And if it stops being useful or if it doesn't apply to everything, then you don't use it. So Find something else. That's yeah. So, yeah. So I would say that a lot of archetypes or spirits or divinities are kind of um, kind of a sketch or a, a hand-drawn map where all the information, all the, all the, that they encompass is, is too much information at once. You know, like it, it, we don't need to know all that. Um, we might end up finding bits and pieces as we go along, or we might never do that, or it might just be something that we end up discarding later, but that that's kind of how I would explain it. So, well, I love the way you explained it. Thanks. I, I think I probably explained it a minute longer than I needed to. That's okay, because it was all it was all nice. I think and it was all relevant. Perfect. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. 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 I didn't Ditto. know people still said that. Uh, I do. Lily said it earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Well. Well. I like that topic. That was very uh, well covered. I think we did. Yeah. Good job. Good talk, guys. High Good fives. Talk. High fives high for five. everyone. High, high fives. Hey, we're high yeah, fiving high right five. now uh, in the oh, studio. I'm not good uh, at it. Uh, I'm, I'm a girl. Five. I don't high, high five. five. Well, uh, I basically just punch someone open handed with my hand on their hand. Boom. You know, that's how you roll. All righty. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to Hex Rated. And, uh, Until next time. Hocus, hocus pocus, pocus, bitches. bitches. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I have to pee. <laughs>